This is an advertisement for Tape Lab. Do you guys like jiu-jitsu? Do you guys like the gi? Do you not like your fingers getting mangled by the gi? Then you've probably been told at some point to just tape your fingers, but the problem is, most tape that people use for jiu-jitsu isn't actually specifically made for jiu-jitsu athletes. But guys, luckily, we got today's sponsorship Tape Lab. They have amazing tape specifically made by and for jiu-jitsu athletes. And guys, they have a great selection. They have white tape, black tape, pink tape, beige. They have big tape, they have small tape for your fingers. And uh, they have little tins for you to carry it around in so you don't go losing your tape down the back of your bag and all for reasonable prices. But if you want to save just a little bit more, use my code HUMANZY15 for 15% off a checkout for any purchases over 15 euro. That's HUMANZY15. The link will be in the description below. And guys, that's once again, the Tape Lab company at Tape Lab Co. Guys, hope you enjoyed the episode. Welcome back to another episode of Humanity Just a Podcast. I'm today joined by guys you might know him as like the most analytical sort of uh, YouTuber in the jiu-jitsu sphere. It's uh, Jake from uh, Less Impressed, More Involved. And I know you get this a lot, bro. Great fucking name. Really, like, you're really hitting the nail on the head with that one. So what's the crack, bro? Hey, man. How's it going? Andrew. How's yeah. it going, Andrew? Grand out. Uh, just to let you know, what's the crack means? How's it going in, in Irish, like, I, I probably should have explained that earlier. <laughs> uh, so how's it going? <laughs> I kind of use context clues. I kind of yeah. use context clues for that one. It took me a little mm. while to process it, but yeah, mm. I, I use context clues to figure out what you were saying. But yeah, excited no, I, to be here, man. Thanks for having me on. Grand out, man. And dude, like first and foremost, like, you know, I like to know more like, uh, I, you know, I could ask you a billion questions about, oh yeah, how'd you start the YouTube channel? But I want to delve in to the psyche of the man, the myth, the legend that is Jake Luigi. Now, how did you actually start Jiu-Jitsu? Before you got into the crazy analytical overflow stuff, like how did you how did you start and get get into it? Yeah, so I uh, graduated college, moved to uh, like San Francisco, like Bay Area of California, um, and uh, there was a jujitsu school across the street from my apartment. So I just joined it as a way to stay in shape, pretty much, and learn some self defense, so I didn't have to go to the you know gym or whatever. And uh, yeah, I uh, instantly fell in love with it. I, uh, I was kind of a scrawny, um, kid that lacked a lot of confidence, um, for sure. So, um, yeah, I think jujitsu kind of filled those voids for me, which is why I was so drawn to it. And now I've been doing it for about almost eight years now. I think July will be eight years. Mm. Well, do you not have, are you not a, an obsessive weirdo like me and have the date and time written down? Because legit, I have, uh, I'm like, I can, you know, we all, we all have calendars and stuff. And, you know, if you have something on the month, you write it down. If there's competitions on a certain date, I have my fucking, the day I started jiu-jitsu written down. Like I buy a calendar. I'm like, yeah, uh, 28th of March. That's when I started. Because <laughs> forget my I know it was otherwise. right after, uh, I know it was right after July 4th because I graduated college and like, you know, may or june and then i moved got everything settled and then the school was closed for like a few days for july 4th so i went in when it reopened after july 4th i'm not sure if it was like the 6th or the 7th i'm not down to that detail but i do know it was slightly after july 4th mm. that i started jiu-jitsu you know they should make us did you ever see the movie born on the 4th of july no I uh, it's uh it's, a, it's just an old school movie but i think they should make a sequel called born on the 5th of july or born slightly after the 4th of july they should re- they're really missing a trick because a store the story must continue man they gotta like, you can't just leave people off it's like dude well what if there was another person who wasn't born on the 4th of july what's going on 
Yeah, there's not a lot of us that fall into the category of the Fourth of July. <laughs> Got to appeal to a broader audience. Mm. I remember, see, like I live in Ireland, but even I wear Captain America rash guards on the Fourth of July because even though I've never been to America, I'm I'm truly, truly a patriot. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but man, uh, what did you study in college, by the way? Because like I know I've had a few people on the podcast that have like you know it's sort of. You know, it's like led into their jiu-jitsu. Like I had someone on who was a systems analyst and they're like, oh, I take a very analytical approach to my jiu-jitsu. Like, so you didn't study liberal arts or something, did you? No, I studied, uh, I studied finance. I've always been really into math and uh, yeah, studied finance. Hmm. So when you're putting on a kimura, do you be like, oh yes, the angle and the leverage of this and it's a, it's a 44 degree angle, not a 45 degree angle. Do you do any of that in your head with yeah. a protractor? More, more acute, the more acute the angle, the better for sure. Yeah. <laughs> you I, don't want math, obtuse angles. <laughs> I'm not, be, I'm not being obtuse. How dare you? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to act like I understood that because I wasn't particularly good at math in school. So moving along. <laughs> I uh, read like what got you started in content creation anyway because like uh, how like how long were you training before you decided all these other YouTube VGA YouTubers are shit so I'm going to show them what's up <laughs> it wasn't that thought process at all um I started it over uh yeah for sure I started it over uh COVID um because basically I was just researching a lot and doing a lot of competition study because I couldn't actually train and I just kind of um, but the channel initially started as just like a overall journal channel where I was making like knot tying videos and stuff. Cause I was trying to learn how to do archery hunting at the time. So I was just basically making a, like a channel that I was just documenting all the things that I was doing as a way to just like have a quick reference for it, like personally. Um, and then the first jujitsu video I made was way better than any of the knot tying videos that I had made. So um i kind of kept going down the jujitsu road and then of, um, just a quick yeah. aside none of these were about tying your belt now or, or is it no <laughs> i know because fuck the geek <laughs> yeah, don't chase belts no. i'm sorry i'm sorry i can't help myself but i carry on there about the about the archery hunting and skin yeah, deer so, and, uh, and stuff <laughs> yeah exactly um but uh yeah so it started out like that and I was just kind of a journal for myself and then um the jujitsu video started to get more popular and then um about a year and a half ago now I moved out to this island in Hawaii where there wasn't a jujitsu school and basically it was kind of the same situation as COVID where I wasn't really training much and I just had a bunch of time to study and I just kept doing the the YouTube thing and it kind of just kept snowballing and snowballing. And uh, yeah, here we are now. <laughs> now, see, like, uh, I'll tell you something funny, man. Like, uh, I used to just, I used to, okay, I used to study, like, I used to, obviously, I study fucking, I study videos and tape and stuff. But, you know, I, I could always do it in conjunction with training. So, like, I could see something and implement it, like, straight away. Like I had, like when like, the gym, like, cause when the gyms were closed, like I got a sit, I got a few mats and I trained like pretty much all through out of COVID. I was pretty lucky in that regard. So I was never just stuck and only been able to, to study stuff. But I'll tell you something funny, like people would like undervalue, like even myself, I used to undervalue the value, like the value, undervalue the value, sorry, the importance of just, just studying and just looking at stuff because there's this guy at our gym. He just started training there a year ago. The gym was closed before he started, but he was all he did was 
he literally looked at all the videos about pinning and side control and stuff. And even when he started, he had such a good bit of knowledge. And they're like, oh, yeah, you do the hip check when you're trying to keep someone's side control. You can do this swap to north south. And he's like, cool, I know all this shit before I even started. And then when he came in, he's tearing it up and he got his blue belt in less than a year. And we're like, fucking hell, man, something to it. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's a huge resource that we can leverage now with all of the online tools that we have available to us. And uh, I would I would say that now I'm starting to get a more um, like core group of people and a more consistent training schedule. And I do find it to be very helpful because I can go in and kind of like you said, um, kind of test ideas right away and kind of see where I'm running into resistance. And then it definitely gives me something to look for next time that I'm watching an instructional or watching competition footage. I'm looking for specific things as opposed to um, trying to like piece together things that I, I have seen other people do, if that makes sense. Like, I think it, it definitely helps being able to train as well, but I agree with you hundred percent that you can fast track your growth by prioritizing the, the mental game for sure. Mm. Uh, man, see, like, what are you currently working on at the moment? Like, I know you just like, like what, like what in your game are you working on at the moment? Like, is it like fucking head and arm control from like squashed half guard and stuff? Or, you know, like, well, what's, what's Jake Luigi working on? So we can all dojo storm and try and beat you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right now I'm kind of dabbling in straight ankle lock stuff and uh, kind of like transitioning from passing half guard to attacking from bottom half guard. So um, yeah, kind of both of those things. And um, yeah, mostly, mostly I would say like escaping from like a chest to chest half guard position and then like straight ankle lock attacking right now is what I'm mm. focusing on. All right, dude, it's funny because like, like I'm currently working on what's it, uh, killing the knee shield, getting the underhook and knee slicing effectively and getting to north south. I'm also going over ankle locks, but just there in December, I was training with people. And all we were doing was squashed half guard. Like, okay, we called this, we had a little system worked out where we do this, do this, do that from, from a top perspective and a bottom perspective, escaping the head and arm control, squashed half guard. We called it just the Placido where, you know, you like bump this way, C-grip in the armpit, recover, get a fucking low single leg and come up on them and try and take their back. Or, you know, you do the fucking high tripod, do this fucking windshield wiper and get to mount and you still have head and arm control we were doing that shit and like i would go into the gym and i just start like like what's your thinking on like hyper specific training like starting with like a lot of variables in like i started a lot of rounds in head and arm squashed half just to just to work the escape from that one specific tiny position like what's your feeling on hyper specific training um i think it's i think it's super beneficial um like we used to do at the school I used to train at, we used to um, like from a, from an attacking perspective, the idea is like you give yourself confidence that if I'm like attacking on the back and I already have their arm trapped, if I can start on the back with an arm trapped, I'm like pretty confident that I'm going to finish there because I've started with their arm trapped already. And I've had a lot of practice finishing from that position. And then slowly you start to regress. So maybe for like the first few days you start with the arm already trapped and you get super confident that you can finish once you already have the arm trapped. And then after that, the next few days, you no longer have the arm trapped, but you already have a cross grip in place. So you're like one step away from trapping the arm. If that makes sense. 
So mm -hmm. then once you get the cross grip and you're able to trap arms and then you go into the choke, now you say to yourself, okay, if I can get a cross grip on someone, I'm super confident that I'm going to be able to trap their arm and finish them because I've you know, practiced there. Now the battle becomes getting to the cross grip and then you like slowly work your way backwards, um, but develop a lot of confidence in the end game is the idea. And then slowly start to um, like implement different variables. But uh, yeah, mm -hmm. like if you can escape from a really bad situation, then obviously you're going to have confidence from the, the more comfortable situation that you can also escape from you know mm. or like a good way i heard it was like reverse engineering like say you want to teach like you actually i think you actually made a video about it where you just make someone really good at triangle and then you know show them a million entries to a triangle but that would it's just guaranteed that they have a really good it was the gord how to be the gordon ryan video i think it was that like i'm sort of loosely referencing that gotcha yeah um i think that's kind of the way they go about teaching too like you'll see John teach the finishing mechanics of something first, and then he'll go into like all of the entries and then they'll just kind of say, and then you just do whatever, like do what we did previously, you know, from here. But like, I think the, uh, the finishing mechanics of submissions are super important. And then the entries kind of just like come, um, mm -hmm. you can kind of fill in the, the blanks, but the end game is the, the most important thing for sure. Mm -hmm. No, man, uh, I tell you, um, are you excited for, this just a quick aside, are you excited for the next match between Gordon and Felipe? Because, man, I think uh, I think Felipe has his number this time for one reason, one reason only. The fact that your video dropped and he can just look at that, <laughs> the how to beat Gordon <laughs> video. So all, all Felipe has yeah. to do is be reborn, uh, reincarnated, train Jiu-Jitsu from the age of one, and just be really good at a triangle. <laughs> simple really it's yeah. simple really you know i don't know why he's not doing it he's being very lazy at the moment <laughs> i don't want to trash felipe yeah. this isn't a, a trash felipe podcast <laughs> he went one step farther and uh got craig to come help him too so he might have uh, i should have put that in the video that was a good uh good addition he had um but yeah i'm really excited for that match i'm honestly really excited every time gordon competes i think it's just a huge opportunity for us all to learn you know from from him so yeah, mm. I think the more he competes, the better off we all are. Mm. Not sure. We we all know what the crack is. They're all just we all know what the deal is. It's just a, an advertisement for his instructions. Like, oh yeah, guys, we're going to attack a top pin in this uh, submission grappling match right now. And now, okay, I, I when I'm drilling people, I annoy the fuck out of them with my Gordon Ryan impression. <laughs> so smash. I uh, know. So like. Okay, also guys, we're going to establish a head and arm control and we're going to get a, we're going to do a cranial shift. We're going to pommel, pommel to the inside position and we're going to get a tight waist. Guys, another great option, another great option. He keeps saying another great option. I'm like, dude, <laughs> just show me this fucking option first, you stupid. <laughs> sorry. Ah, oh, that man. That's <laughs> uh, yeah, funny. You get sidetracked a lot. Yeah, Another great option. <laughs> Well, I get sidetracked a lot, so I can't really say much, and I'm not the best in world jiu-jitsu, so I think we'll let him away with it for now. Yeah, we'll give him the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> for now. <laughs> All right, uh, like, uh, if you, you know, I know you don't want to, what's it, spoil that, because, okay, uh, you have a few videos in the works, obviously, because, you know, you're a busy man, you post really regularly. Like, honestly, it's amazing, because your videos are fucking really good and there's like a consistent upload schedule. So, but you're not sacrificing quality at all. That's very good. And secondly, you have a course coming out, right? Like I'll have it all, this all in the description because you were talking about this in the past few videos. You have a guard passing course, was it? 
Yeah, it's a half guard passing course. It'll be coming out on a Sunday. I don't know when this podcast is going to come out, but it'll be coming out on uh, February 19th. Mm. Ah, I should have this up by then and all the links will be in the description so guys you could actually be one of the lucky few people who get to access this podcast access the course maybe you click the link in the podcast and it's like a roundabout way it's like oh dude I don't know where I was going with this point but yeah I have a fucking really good course right now <laughs> Thanks, uh, yeah I, I basically the idea behind the course was that like everyone has thoughts um, and opinions and techniques and everything about how to pass half guard. And I've spent a ton of time studying all of these resources and watching competition footage. And basically I tried to assemble what I believe to be the most effective ways at passing half guard. And uh, yeah, I think it'll be really beneficial if you're like basically someone who doesn't have time to watch hundred hour, like hundred hours of instructional content and then test it yourself for hundreds of hours and then watch a bunch of competition footage. Um, I think it'll basically, like you said, kind of shortcut your progression um, mm -hmm. is kind of the idea behind it. Mm -hmm. All right, dude, one thing I'm wondering, so like you're primarily a Nogi guy, right? Yeah. So actually a uh, kind of funny story. The first like five years, six years I did jujitsu um, was all Gi. Um, but then I got heel hooked like 15 times at a Craig Jones seminar. So then COVID hit and then all I studied over COVID was leg locks. And then I came back and all I've done since is Nogi. So mm -hmm. since COVID I've done only Nogi. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or dude, I have a very, very similar sort of thing. So I trained for three years before COVID started, what happened. I trained mostly Gi, it was 80% Gi, 20% Nogi. I've, it's funny, I only ever won, I, I compete a lot, I've only ever won no, a no-gi match in the past year, like, it's only in the past year I've won no-gi matches and stuff like that, so, um, like I said, I, uh, I had a little area to train during COVID at my house, but their lockdown was a bit shitty in Ireland, you know, people get, get stopped if they're driving, like, oh, where are you going, what are you doing, where do you live, blah, blah, so people would just drive, you know, in their, you know, shorts and t-shirts, to come train nogi with me or go train nogi with some other people so people who trained in ireland only trained nogi so you know because you know if you have a gi with you and stuff and you know the cops see you like what the fuck are you doing with a karate costume you get you're under arrest motherfucker <laughs> so you know everyone just trained nogi and stuff and you know sort of uh but then you know got everything opened up again and then the schedule at the gym just changed to be no gi so i'm just like okay fuck this and it's five days no gi to two days gi i might as well just train all no gi so fuck this shit you know you know how it is <clears throat> right yeah i'm i'm fully on board and don't see myself going back to the gi anytime soon mm, okay because i'm gonna say something i'm gonna say something that might get me you know <laughs> i'm gonna let you finish i'm gonna let you finish <laughs> the gi is fucking boring because you have several people getting double DQ'd in a match for stalling. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't see many matches ending in nogi, some nogi, nogi competitions by double DQ for stalling. I don't see that happen that much in nogi, but hey, I might be watching the wrong competitions. Fucking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I watch a lot of competitions and I haven't seen that happen either. No, to be fair, I have seen people getting double DQ'd in nogi competitions for being. I know disrespectful to each other, like actually shoving and slapping and like cursing each other out. But that's different. That's being cuntish and not being stolly. You know, you can disqualify someone for being an asshole and being unsportsmanly, but they're trying to fight. 
don't know. Fuck. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> and let's not get me started on fucking judo, guys. But no. <laughs> uh, speaking of which, um, in terms of like, uh, <clears throat> sorry, in terms of like takedowns and stuff, would you say you're more of a fan of wrestling based takedowns or like uh, judo based takedowns? Like, because I know you can tra- try translate them to nogi and stuff, but like, what's your thinking in terms of like feet to floor, as it were? Right. Um, you know, I have not gone down that rabbit hole too thoroughly the extent that i've done it is just using like practicing good single leg takedown mechanics um because that's what john talks about in his feet to floor um instructional as far as uh like self-defense like just learn a good single leg takedown and you'll get yourself out of 99 percent of self-defense situations so um when i was watching that i put an emphasis on single legs um but honestly other than that i I haven't really done too much stand-up emphasis recently. So um, like as far as no-gi stand-up goes, from what I've seen in competition, I really like the idea of integrating, you know, the the wrestling with the judo foot sweeps. And, you know, I haven't seen John's instructionals on this, but I just really think that um, like the posture has a lot to do mm-hmm. with it. And uh, yeah, I think if you can combine those things together, and I think it's something Gordon and the team do really well. I think you'll you'll have success. Ooh, do I do I sense an Isaac Michelle study soon with the nogi foot sweeps? <laughs> do I do I see that soon? <laughs> oh, maybe I don't know. Well, maybe probably after the whole like bottom half guard thing. Maybe I'll I'll transition up to uh, like takedowns and stuff because I'm planning probably part of bottom half guard is going to be heisting up to uh, like front headlocks and stuff, and I think that would be a nice little transition up to. Uh, up to the feet, you know, um, once we kind of understand what to do from front headlocks and do a deep dive on that, then maybe work our way up to, uh, up to the feet. So that's mm. kind of the path I'm, I'm seeing in my head, but you kind of know how things go. Everything kind of just, you get off on random tangents and you're like, Oh, that looks cool. Let me go down that for a little bit. So, um, uh, and now, and now we're talking about reverse Delhiva and fucking, uh, buggy chokes and shit like that. <laughs> Right, exactly. <laughs> All right, man. Um, like, a quick, like, funnily enough, I was—I got a question about this off of Reddit. Like, do you compete much? Do you have much competition experience? No. Um, so I competed once as a blue belt, and I lost my first match. And then I competed once as a purple belt, and I won my first match, lost my second match. And, um, that was at the old school where I was training in the gi is like super traditional school. And training then in the gi. I trained in the gi. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> Sorry, man. Sorry. I got... no, I'm messing with you. Sorry. <laughs> and then I switched schools, um, and started watching instructionals and, uh, yeah. So I haven't competed since I've like actually, in my opinion, gotten decent at jujitsu. Like before I've watched instructionals and like actually started training um like you know what i believe to be uh, more effective jujitsu i have not competed honestly i don't really plan to i i move i moved to this island and i've kind of taken over the role as like one of the head coaches here at like the school that we're kind of creating so i spend a lot of time researching and uh trying to develop like practice um protocols and like techniques and things like that and i find it to be more fun than you know, uh, competing. And I think at this point, I think I would give more value to the jujitsu world by kind of keep going down the, 
the road that I'm going as opposed to trying to go the uh, the competitor route. Mm. No, that's fair enough. And man, like, I'd actually love to see, like, if any of uh, the people who train with any of your students, like, if they implement the stuff that you're teaching them and you can just be like, yeah, this is a guy, he's been training a few months, he's hit stuff I've been showing him in competition, so boom, it works. So for any of the naysayers, it works. I know you already knew it yeah. worked, but now we know it works for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, we'll see. There's uh, There's some competitions coming up. I think a couple people might compete. We have a very small group of people. Um, so yeah, we'll see. Uh, but yeah, we ha I have like a, a community thing and, and we often post like um, rolling footage in there. And it's kind of cool to see that uh, like beginner people are able to progress relatively quickly when they use some of these newer styles of uh, like teaching protocol. Like, I don't know if you're how in the know you are about this like ecological approach to uh to training but it's something i've been messing with quite a bit and uh yeah i think it's i think it's kind of the the future of it so um yeah could you just uh, expand that. on that so like well what, what's it called again um it's called i've heard it called different things um in the jujitsu world i've heard it referred to as designated winner um and then like in the outside world it's kind of known as the ecological approach or ecological approach however you want to say it um but the basic idea is you like create little games around a position that emphasize the like biggest principle. So in the course that I created, basically the game that I taught my students when we were going over guard passing was that you want to get to the J point, right? You want to get to the hip or the shoulders and, and that's the game. And there's going to be different ways of getting to there. And I'm going to show you my like preferred ways of getting to the J point. But at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter how you get there as long as you get there, you know? Hmm. So the idea behind the game is to emphasize the the principle, not necessarily how you got to the objective, if that makes sense. Because mm. um, in my opinion, like studying competition has really showed me that the game is changing so fast. You know, jujitsu is that there's constantly new techniques and more efficient ways to do old techniques. So if you just sit there and you drill a leg drag a hundred different, like a like thousand different times, back and forth, just leg drag, leg drag, leg drag. And then in a year, now you're doing a leg drag differently because there's a better way to do a leg drag. Then like, it's just kind of like, what's the point in like drilling something over and over and over again, if there's going to be a, you know, a new way of doing it in six months. So I think it's important to drill, but I also think it's more important to emphasize the end result. And then you can work backwards and then dive into the weeds on like a few of your favorite ways of achieving that end result, if that makes sense. Mm. No, I get you. And like, this is actually yeah. feeds into one of the questions I have here is like, how do you actually, how the fuck do you keep up with all this shit, man, and spot the new trends? Because like, you know, okay, I'm not saying you're psychic or clairvoyant or anything, but you, you, you kind of talk, <laughs> he's laughing about that, you kind of talk about the trends and the stuff before everyone else is like, okay, obviously the high level guys know about all the shit and they're doing it. And that's where you're getting the footage and ideas and the points from. But before like the normal person who does jiu-jitsu or even like the not professional athletes, but the guys who have to still train the current meta and stuff, like how do you keep on top of everything? Cause like there's a lot of information. So how do you like decide, oh yeah, that's going to be the next big thing or, you know, like, you know, that sort of thing. Um. So I think first of all, I'm I'm pretty lucky that I'm in a situation now where like I can do this full time or I, I'm starting to do this full time. So I can spend a lot of time watching footage, 
whether that be competition or instructional content. And again, I'm, I'm not putting an emphasis on my competition, um, you know, career or anything. So like when I go in to train, oftentimes I'm just trying to see like, okay, where are the problems coming up? Like when I'm trying to do this technique, where am I running into problems? And then I just go back and I try and find examples of Gordon dealing with that problem. And then I'll go and I'll do it. And then I'll be like, that works. You know, I'm going to put it in my YouTube video and I'm going to explain the process that I went through to get there. Um, so that's, I think, how I create YouTube videos that are useful. And then as far as staying up to date with like the latest stuff, I think that's just a byproduct of like the cutting edge people like, you know, Craig and um, the B team crew and New Wave and just like all, all, a lot of athletes now are very transparent with their training, which is amazing. And um, I think if we pay attention to that, I think we can learn a lot from it. And that's how I try and do is I try and um, basically watch a lot of their footage, including like instructionals and the rolling footage and competitions and just try and piece things together and then experiment it, experiment with it myself. And, uh, and then I share my results on the YouTube channel. And now for the first time I created that course that I'm, you know, sharing my results there too. So um, that's kind of the, the business model that I'm, that I'm going with. Mm, nice yeah. and guys for anyone like i should have this episode up before the 19th but if anyone decides to listen to this podcast and wants to check out the course and you, you're one of the few lucky uh first hundred people to click the link it'll be in this description as well so you know there's another way for you to get it so it's not just on the youtube channel or the videos or anything like that but man okay this is like a two it's like a second part to that question it's like what would you say is the current like meta right now because i know uh, you know, you made a video about, you know, your takeaways from ADCC, but like, you know, in the past few months, would you say that like the current meta has like changed, has it stayed the same or things like adapted or flowed or in, any differently at the moment? Um, I think hopefully what, what I think is that the current meta, um, what I'm saying is like, I hope the current meta is that people are trying to get better at controlling people. And um, I really hope that people are going to stop doing like opportunistic things and trying to just like jump on submissions and, you know, rip on arms or legs or necks without any like actual control over the body. So I really think in the past, like, you know, at least six months for me, I've come a long way in actually like controlling people and finding good ways to pin them. And um, a lot of that's come from studying, you know, uh, Craig and the B team, because I feel like they've done like a really good job at uh, highlighting this as a problem of jujitsu and then figuring out ways to, uh, to solve it. So um, yeah, I really think that guard passing and pinning is, um, or at least was for the past like six months, maybe kind of the, the meta um, of jujitsu. Mm. All right, dude, I'll tell you something funny. Cause like uh, you made a video declare, declaring side control to be fake to be ineffective, to be a very inadequate pin position. And there is a guy, one of my most consistent training partners. He's a big proponent of side control. That's his best position. I literally, the second he dropped the video, I sent it to him and he just sent me a text. You're a bastard. <laughs> He's like, you're a bastard. I was like, dude, you got to try something else now because side control doesn't work, bro. <laughs> but that being said, like, I in like a... 
in all my passing exchanges, you know, I usually would have gone to side control. I'm making more of an effort to go to north south lately, and like I'm controlling people way better and giving them way more fucking trouble than I used to. And obviously, you know, snatching up that weird Nicky Rod Kimura system stuff. I'm like, nice fucking just triangle the fuck out of people or you know, yank their arm the wrong fucking way as you do. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I mean, uh, I agree with you. I often find myself working towards north south and uh going i haven't seen nikki rods but, but i just kind of go off of danaher's old kimura um instructional and then gordon's um side control slash north south pins instructional i don't remember the name of it but basically i just studied danaher and uh gordon but uh yeah i i really think that half guard is just amazing and uh i've kind of kind of go over it in the course, but like basically I think the gray areas of jujitsu, which you've heard Danaher talk about before, but um, like the gray areas, meaning like half guard where it's not necessarily good for either person. Um, it's kind of a gray area. And then there's like leg riding situations where you're not like in someone's guard, but you're not past their legs yet. So it's kind of like a gray area and really utilizing those gray areas are ways to uh, have really really good results but as soon as you pass and then someone's completely defensive or um yeah it just becomes much harder to uh to attack but if you can um, be effective from gray areas i think you're gonna be much more um much more successful mm. or okay that actually got me thinking there for a second because okay what what me okay so what me and the guys uh, a few of the guys in the gym were working on recently were was body lock passing right like we'd specifically start because we were look, we were watching like a lot of Nicky Rod and fucking stuff like that, and him on EBI and his body lock passing. Because you know, good body lock passing, and like we were, we we're kind of humming and hawing as to whether or not it's kind of a fake move because of the weird uh, things we've been running. Like, I know, you know making a declaration saying something's a fake move, but because of the weird reactions we've been running into as of late. So I'll give you an example. Like we'd start specifically in the body lock, shoulders pinned, you know, long arm, short arm. You have the waist control, and you know. Like you said, it should be designated winner. Like you really should be passing each and every time if you know, you know, you know what you're doing. And what's it? We were running into people were able to sit up way too easy and get an underhook and overhook and off balance. So you'd have to open the body lock, right? And another reaction that we're getting, which is very not nice, is just get their knuckles and drive it into your fucking arteries to like make you get your head away so that you know. You don't have the head, can, you know. You don't have your head, and you can, you know, can't effectively use the body lock as, like, I don't know. What, what do you, what do you think of the body lock lately? Because, like, I don't want to go saying it's a fake move or anything or not as high percentage. Like, what's your thinking? Um, just from watching people at high level do it, I think it's definitely legit. I don't think it's a fake, fake move, but uh, at the same time, the people that I train here with, um, I live in Hawaii and they're big. They're like, they're big boys. So um, personally, like they all outweigh me by like, you know, 60 to 100 pounds. So um, I, I often do not experiment a lot with body lock passing myself. So um, from a personal perspective, I don't think there's much insight I can give into the body lock. Um, but yeah, from a, from just a spectator perspective, I think I think you're on the right track, studying the right people. Um, but uh, yeah, maybe just uh, 
experiment experiment with it a bit more and then maybe try and just solve one problem at a time would be my advice. So like if you're having trouble with people sitting up and, uh, you know, uh, going into like a sumagashi or something to off balance you and get you to unlock your hands, um, maybe try and see and pinpoint things that are helping um, some of the people that are getting it to work at the highest level. But like, again, you saw Gordon pretty much shut down Nikki Rod's body lock completely, you know? So um, I think there's probably a specific scenario where it works really well. Um, but then outside of that, it's going to be difficult to, to get. And to be honest, I don't think Gordon was threatened by Nikki Rod's body lock at all. I think it was, you know, very, uh, I don't think he was worried about it. So, um, I don't know what, if I answered your question at all, but that was me rambling about body locks for a minute and a half. So, yeah. Oh, that makes sense. <laughs> no, no, that's a good answer, man. See, okay. So I actually got, I got another question. Like this is the most recent one I got. Like uh, someone texted me this before the episode is like, so because they're watching your video about the chair sit and stuff and they're like, you know, cause you know, you, you said the chair sit isn't the best reaction when you're in that sort of position. And, you know, can you just elaborate as to why the chair sit may not be the best way to take the back from there? And what you would say is the better move to do when you're in that position where a chair sit would be, you know, the first thing to cross your mind. Yeah. So, um, the idea is that you want diagonal control, right. From a lot of positions in jujitsu but specifically from the back, you want diagonal control. And when you do a chair sit, you're pulling them to the underhook side. So diagonal control would mean you would have your top hook in. If you have the underhook with your arm, you would want um, your top hook in to achieve diagonal control. If you don't have your top hook in, they're gonna be able to turtle relatively easily, right? Because you don't have, if, you have, if you're on the overhook side, um, then your top arm would be an underhook and that would be preventing them from turtling. Am I making any sense at all right now? Mm. No, that makes sense. Cause you, you know, the bottom hook is, is better ideally. Cause you know, if you just have the top hook, you know, the, the space gap, there more mobility with the other hip and, you know, I'm not explaining myself very well. <laughs> yeah. It's hard. It's hard to explain jujitsu, but, uh, like basically if you do a chair sit, you have an underhook and you have your bottom hook already in place, but you don't have a top hook, which is fine. You, you would probably rather have the bottom hook, right? If you were to choose, you'd prioritize the bottom hook, but from the underhook side, that means you don't have diagonal control, which means that they can turtle relatively easily. So you'll find what I found is that when you do a chair sit and your momentum is pulling them to the underhook side, if they just don't accept going like settling on their back and they just kind of ride the momentum and go straight to turtle. Oftentimes I find that, that I fall off or like come mm. up to a turtle position um, as opposed to taking their back. So okay. does that make sense? Yeah. So yeah, you're kind sense. of like giving them momentum in the direction of their escape when you do a chair sit. Mm. Um, so against people, especially like wrestlers, that their instinct is to just turtle right away. Um, I found it to be difficult um, to establish uh, like solid control of the back when doing a chair sit. So with that said, um, I think like what I, at least what I've been trying to do is go into that, uh, like seated head and arm that Gordon and Danaher talk about. And, uh, that Giancarlo used in ADCC, um, against Heisem Rita. 
I don't know if you're familiar with that match, but basically he uh, used it. Is to that like in the, 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 the weird gift wrap and then transition into the head and arm? Is that the, the one, stuff you yeah. covered in your most recent video there at time of writing? The guard pass to the head and arm? Sort of, kind of. It was uh, your most recent video there. Was it the same grip you're on about there with the weird gift wrap? Yeah, with the gift wrap, exactly. Um, and your feet are kind of in like an arm bar position except your uh like the leg that would be um your cross face leg is under their head like a pillow oh okay, okay pretty much yeah like so a like a pillow i love the way you yeah. explain so i'll see like a delicate little fluffy pillow made of meat and you know it's you've been used as leverage take your back and fucking strangle you <laughs> yeah, exactly it's it's seconds away from strangling you but for for the meantime it's a comfortable pillow well, some people um, like yeah. it and getting strangled with people's thighs, you know, of, you know, thick thighs save lives, bro. <laughs> <laughs> it's got a ring to it. Oh, God. <laughs> um, but yeah, so basically from that position, you can start to threaten like arm locks and uh, reverse triangles and stuff. And then as they bridge to defend that and they take their own back off the ground, you can take their back as opposed to you pulling them to take their back and they can kind of like ride that momentum. If you do it that way, you're not giving them any momentum. So that's been my preferred way to do that. Not to say it doesn't have its own issues. Like sometimes the the pillow doesn't work as effectively and they're able to kind of slip their head out and things start to fall apart. But, um, you know, as with anything in jujitsu, there's pros and cons. So, hmm. yeah. So I guess you could say it's a momentous occasion instead of a momentum occasion. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> oh, I'm, sorry. I'm sorry, man. <laughs> Okay, so the last question that was submitted by our adoring fans was, uh, okay, <clears throat> it's a video video request. It's a little bit wordy, so just bear with me for a second. <clears throat> Would you ask him to do a full gossip analysis of the beef between B Team and New Wave and the meth and the meta of how to leave a gym, e.g., analyzing screenshots and all that? <laughs> it was an April Fool's video, if there ever was one. <laughs> that would be funny um man taking this uh this joke question somewhat seriously i'm just trying to stay out of all that to be honest i i just think i'm not going to address it to if i'm being honest i just want to i i think like i said i think craig and that team have been just amazing as far as their like innovations since they've left um john and gordon but John and Gordon are the people that I study primarily. And uh, they're always going to be, in my opinion, um, like the foundation. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I feel like I study both of them. I, I enjoy studying both of them. And I don't want to, like, piss anyone off. So, yeah. So, guys, ladies and gentlemen, you heard on this podcast first, Jake Luigi has picked Gordon over them. You know, he's picked his side. <laughs> he's dug his heels into the ground. <laughs> Yeah, no, but, no, I draw but, a line in the sand. No, but the idea was, could you just make an app? Do you know like how those YouTubers make those shit drama videos? Your man is just requesting one of those just as like a piss take. Right, like a TMZ kind of thing. This just in, Gordon called Nicky Rod a fanny on Instagram. This just in yeah. again, he called him a twat. This just in, well, whatever, fucking. <laughs> yeah, like fucking... I don't have to give an opinion on it. I just kind of uh, recap what has happened kind of thing. Yeah, you know, you know, that's sort of all that bullshit. Uh, so, man, what I'm curious about is, OK, what I here is a burning question. You know, it's a very, very important thing that I talk about with people on the daily. You know, it's very, very close to my heart, this topic. 
What's the weirdest bit of uh, Nogi apparel you own, whether it's spats, shorts, or a rash guard? Like, you have, like, neon pink fucking spats or anything like that? <laughs> Dude, I, if I'm being 100% honest, I've bought one rash guard, and it was from the new school that I went to, and it's just, like, all black with, like, a lightning bolt down the front. Um, the rest have been, like, hand-me-downs, and then I get all my shorts from Costco. So they're, like, relatively, like, normal Nogi apparel clothing oh. yeah i don't i don't have a good answer for this one at all oh man <laughs> i'm like I'm the gonna... cheapest person ever dude i'm gonna find out where you live and send you a unicorn rash guard and if you don't wear it i'm gonna be very upset <laughs> i'll take it <laughs> no man i like to wear weird rash guards i have like these fucking pink shorts i just got i'm like these are fucking shorts are godly what's it i wear like um I have, okay, I have this rash guard of a Medusa with octopus hair licking an ice cream with an eyeball in it. It looks like a de- it's like a demon, and I, I show up to the gym with that on, and people are like, "It's a it's an interesting interesting bit of sh- shirt you're wearing there." I was like, "Thank you." <laughs> yeah, mine are super generic. Mm. Now let, let's get Jake a weird fucking rashy. You know, how about less impressed, more involved, but it's only written on the back, so you can only see the little logo if you take his back. Nice. Yeah, we'll have to come up with some designs. That'd be kind of cool. Uh, a rash guard for the uh, for the channel. I think that would be that'd be fun to do eventually down the road. How about your sixty nine thousand four hundred twentieth subscriber gets the rash guard? So sixty nine four twenty. <laughs> Got it. That's good. A good giveaway. Uh, awesome. Man. Uh, another thing. Another thing I'm curious about with everyone is like I don't know if you've ever been on the receiving end of a bad injury, but like, what's the worst injury you've you've dealt with in your time of training? Yeah. So uh, the worst one I've gotten is from um, outside Ashi, and basically I had my legs uh, like triangled, um, and he was just trying to like rip my leg away from my body, if that makes sense. So like my legs were like triangled underneath him and uh, he was just trying to straighten my, my leg as hard as he could, but it wasn't going anywhere because my leg was triangled. And I felt like relatively safe and I was just relaxed, but uh, it was during an open mat and it was like my first or second roll. And I think I was like, just pretty cold. And uh, like, again, I felt like completely safe, but then all of a sudden my knee just popped. And uh, since then, this has been like two years maybe. Um, I got an MRI and everything and they say it's good, but, uh, I can't run still like without it hurting. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's just the only injury that I've had that still gives me problems. And, uh, again, I just, it was so random it felt like I was completely safe, but he was like giving it a hundred percent effort to take my foot away. And I probably should have just let him have it. But, uh, mm. yeah, I don't know. I don't know mm. what happened. No, but man, then he'd be able to say he broke your outside Ashi, and now he can never say he broke your outside Ashi. He can say he broke yeah. your knee, sort of, but he can't say he broke your outside Ashi. <laughs> Worth it. And as Ryan Hall says, running breeds cowardice. You're better off, off not being able to run. Like, you see, in life, you can't run from your problems. you got to get into a good stance, change levels, and fucking ankle pick your problems. That's how you sort it. You don't run away or alternatively sit guard, put them in a heel hook, but whatever. That's, you know, we all have our methods for solving problems. But long short of it is, don't run away. Have busted knees and, you know, be a man. <laughs> I need to change my mindset on the whole thing. I, I like the way you approach that, yeah. 
<laughs> just ankle pick your problems. If uh, if your if your wife says you're not spending enough time with her, fucking ankle pick her. If your kids aren't fucking getting good grades at school, fucking ankle pick them. If your boss won't give you a fucking promotion, you ankle pick him. If the mailman doesn't give you that fucking thing you ordered, you guessed it, you ankle pick that sorry motherfucker. <laughs> That's too funny. <laughs> It's like you know, it's like the old still thing. It's like, oh fuck it, try a leg lock. It's like, fuck it, do an ankle pick. <laughs> Fake guard pull ankle pick. Hundred percent, bro. Hundred percent. That's how it is. All right, man. Um, so again, like I know you said, you sort of um try to stay out of all. Like obviously, you stay out of all the the whole B team new wave drama. But is there anything just in general of the whole jujitsu community that you don't like that you know you wish would change or you wish you would just fuck off in general it's any just a big thing in the community that you don't like at all huh it's a good question um i don't know i feel like i said previously i i really think we're going to be much better off as a martial art if we don't focus so much on the like explosive techniques and uh like trying to just be like super opportunistic with everything as opposed to uh, just being more control based and using opportunistic things when they come up, but more like using, using opportunistic approaches to set up your controlled approaches, if that makes sense. So like, I really think we're starting to see it change. Um, but yeah, it just, it just kind of rubs me the wrong way when like people just like, especially um, like in like a training type of environment when people are just like grabbing stuff and ripping it and it's like okay like yeah I'll tap but like it's just annoying you know it's not like it's a Tuesday afternoon I don't really feel like having you rip on my foot or you know it's like mm -hmm. I don't know it, that just kind of rubs me the wrong way but uh, I think we're on the right path to uh, to fixing it. Mm. Now guys I've had several because this is a pretty I've had this question on the podcast for quite a while, but guys, I have I finally have a new answer to it because I used to say, oh, I can't remember what my old answer was, but it was something about, I can't remember. It was, I have a new answer for this thing, guys. It's people who think training in the gi makes your no gi better. I hate to break it to you guys. It doesn't. It does not. Like, okay, because, you know, like I said, I've recently decided to not train in the gi anymore. Like, if, it's, if I want to train gi... You know, it's still there, but I'd just rather not at the moment. Now, I know people, you know, I'd see them at open mats, people I've trained with for years being like, oh, man, you really should train in the gi still, man. You know, it'll make your no gi better. You might as well have a good, you know, tradition, nice base of knowledge. I'm like, like, but I, I got asked them why. I'm like, why should I train in the gi if I want to compete all no gi? And they just regurgitate the same answer of, oh, yeah on base or it'll make your nogi better but they never tell me why it'll make my nogi better i'm like if, if i'd like to hear a refreshing answer as to why training in the gi makes your nogi better i would love to hear a new one <laughs> sorry yeah rant yeah. over <laughs> <laughs> yeah no uh i think like the the reasoning behind it comes from like it just being like slower and if you're like a beginner person then you can like go like, okay, step one, do this, step two, do this, step three, do this. And you're like actually able to hold someone there long enough to do that. Mm. Whereas opposed to like no gi, it's like, you're never going to be able to do that. So um, yeah, I think like just the idea is that you can control someone longer. So maybe you can like practice your moves more. I, I don't know. Um, yes. But uh, yeah, I would say uh, it doesn't. 
it doesn't help you. Mm. Uh, see, I'm uh, I'm of the opinion that if you're brand new to jiu-jitsu or grappling in general, that you should train equally gi or no gi, and you can decide. Like I say, you should train evenly gi or no gi until you get a blue belt, and then you can decide which one you prefer and you'd rather specialize in. Because like I don't hate people who do the gi. If you want to do gi, that's your own business. You want to do if you want to grab someone's foreskin with your pinky finger and sit guard with that, that's your own fucking business. All these ridiculous delineations of guard and getting dq'd for dub fucking double dq for stalling whatever that's that's on you you do what you want but you know like i said i think you should train both till you're blue belts and then you can decide which one you want to do because you you've had good experience about about a year or two so you know what the deal is yeah i think that's really good advice i think not narrowing your focus too too quick is uh is a good approach i definitely think that's that's good advice that you just gave mm. oh look at that ladies and gentlemen i said something semi-decent for once i should i should get a medal you know i know i have all my medals on the wall over there but i should just take one and just wear it for now and just like yeah i got this medal for saying something smart <laughs> <laughs> yep props mm. or man uh one thing i'm because i've gotten mixed responses about this like this is a new question but i've been talking to people about this i'm like what's your thoughts on seminars and if they're actually helpful? Cause some people say, oh, well, a seminar is really just a social event for you to like, I don't know, meet Craig Jones, maybe get a role with him, but you could just buy their DVD and just tip away and train your, you know, research it yourself. Like what's your thinking? Cause I know you study a lot of seminars. Like, would you, like, I know you're in Hawaii, but if some, if there's a seminar with, with someone nearby, would you like, would you go to it and like study it or would you just buy their DVD and just tip away? Um, I'd probably go cause it'd be a tax write-off. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I would, I would probably go to the seminar, but kind of like you said, I would go to it with the idea that I'm probably not going to learn anything new. It's probably going to be just an expansion of what they talked about in their, you know, instructional. So, um, kind of like you said, I think if your goal is to go to instructionals and just get really good at jujitsu, I think you're probably better off just, you know, buying a, instructional and using your resources that way but mm. at the same time that's kind of difficult for me to say because going to that craig jones seminar like changed my whole trajectory on jujitsu and just the way i uh i perceived everything like i didn't even know that that world existed before i went to that seminar you know so um in that sense like it changed my whole <laughs> you know, outlook and, um, is why I'm here today. So yeah, I, I think, um, for the most part, you're probably not gonna get that much better at jujitsu and you're probably better off just buying an instructional, but, um, yeah, on the flip side of that, it could end up changing your life. So yeah, mm. uh, <laughs> it's just, I just learn better. Like when I, uh, when I'm in the room with someone, I can ask them a question straight away. Like, uh, I don't know if you know him, I was at a seminar last week with a guy called Owen Lives. I can't pronounce the second name. Owen Livesy, Livesy. I can't fucking pronounce the second name for life of me. But he was in ADCC just there. Uh, he's, he's he's from Britain and stuff. Fucking um, bald dude, has a beard, jacked. Uh, what's it called? So anyways, he was showing his wrestling and stuff. And I had his wrestling instructional. And I, was, I wasn't picking the stuff up that well. I was like, okay. You know, I wasn't putting it together in my head, but then he showed stuff that was expanding on what he covered. It wasn't the same content copy and paste because I, I like when, you know, you have someone's DVD, 
you go to their seminar and it's not just the same stuff regurgitated because then you could just be like, well, I could have just not come and just watch the video. But he was expanding on stuff, expanding on a few grips and details and shit. And like he was talking about the cradle, but he was doing it with the arm out. And I was like, you know, I got to ask him and get a response instead of just because you know how it is when you text people, they might not get back to you. That's because that's life. You know, I got to ask him why he does it with this grip or that grip. And, you know, what's the pre- what's the deal? You know, so I think, you know, there's pros and cons of seminars. You know, if you're in the area and there's someone high level nearby, you might as well go. You never know. You might pick up something, you know, a detail or two. Because, like, there's small details I've learned about, like, a Kimura trap that I picked up a few years ago. I still use to this day. Or a small thing about ankle lock I learned. You know, you never know. But I... I'm just rambling at this point, but fuck it, <laughs> you know. Yes and no is yeah, no, yes, th- yes and no. Yeah, I think it's important to note that, like, as soon as someone, like, as soon as I put out a YouTube video, it's outdated. Like, I probably found, like, you know, new stuff that I'm incorporating into it, um, and my opinions could, you know, change. So if they put out an instructional three months ago, and now they are teaching you the same thing, it's likely that they've made some modifications to their actual technique since they put out that instructional. So um, yeah, that's that's a completely valid point that hopefully they've expanded on that um, position since they put out that instructional and they'll probably add those insights in the, in the seminar. Ooh, speaking of which, now, am I correct in assuming that you, what's it, seeing as you study Gordon and John Danner, you primarily use BGJ Fanatics for your research purposes, is that right? Yeah. Now, see, I, I used to use BJ Fanatics almost exclusively, but then the other ones came out. There was um, there's the Grapple Club. There's fucking... But Jiu-Jitsu X is my thing. I really love Jiu-Jitsu X because I don't like when you click onto a Gordon Ryan video and it's fucking four hours long and the timestamps are very weird and stuff and it doesn't actually bring you to the exact thing. It brings you to a few seconds before and you have to wait. You know, but anyways... I like that it's segmented videos. So instead of having a three hour video, you have the three minute video about one technique and you can tick it off. Cause man, my biggest annoyance with BGD Fanatics, this, uh, this isn't a, a sh- me shitting on the site in general. It is, it's a great site, but it's just one little pet peeve I have with it is that I can sometimes forget where I am. So I might be halfway through Gordon's instructional. I might've covered this technique, that technique, that technique, but I can forget if if I'm at 50% true or 55% true, so I can forget where I'm at sometimes. But with Jiu-Jitsu X, you can literally, it's one technique, you tick that off, I'm like, cool, I've covered that, I've drilled that, I've tried to commit that to memory, I can move on to the next one and try and expand upon it. Like, um, I'd like if Jiu-Jitsu X, if BJ Fanatics implemented something similar like that, so you could find of remember where you were at a bit better. I, I don't know if that makes sense. Gotcha. Um... To be honest, I've never used Jiu-Jitsu X before. I've just seen their uh, like free YouTube videos with the cool white background and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I've never actually used their uh, their platform. So um, yeah, I'm not too familiar. Usually, I take notes um, like on my own um, like notes thing for my uh, my computer or my phone. Um, so typically, that's how I keep track of where I am, and I'll just document. And again, this is basically what I do to make YouTube videos is I'll document competition footage and then I'll go document like at what time Gordon talks about this sequence in his instructional and I'll go reference that and compare it to the competition and uh, then try it myself, see what problems I'm running into. Um, So yeah, I think, um, 
yeah, it's not the easiest thing to do, obviously, on BJJ Fanatics. I think they definitely could work on their platform a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's kind of the way I, I do it myself. Oh, yeah. sorry. Uh, one thing I forgot to mention was um, that Jiu-Jitsu X, they update the courses. So say you buy Keenan's Half Guard Instructional, he'll update it throughout the year because, you know, there's like a thing on there where you can send him a message if you bought it ask about this ask about that and if enough people ask about it they update the course with another you know little lesson on it so module or something yeah 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 so like i like that they can like update it as it goes because you know in like um, okay i know the point of making instructionals is to generate revenue obviously because gordon wouldn't make them if he wasn't making the money i'm not trying to demonize making money because fucking who doesn't like making money money's good it's awesome makes the world go around i can i can buy ridiculous rash cards with money you know but anyways like he would just make another instructional about it. he's like so guys to so guys to address the thing the pommeling in the last one i'm going to make a whole new course about it instead of just updating the last one with a caveat of you should do this instead of that i'm just going to make you pay the requisite 200 dollars again because why not? I need another pickup truck because fuck it. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. Pretty good impersonation. Awesome. Um, but yeah, that's what I'm trying to do, honestly, with my uh, with my instructional. It's kind of like the platform that I'm using allows you to update it. Um, so yeah, like it's my first one. So I limited it to 50 people. And then I basically got all of their feedback and a lot of their questions. And if there were reoccurring questions, I updated it. And uh, kind of exactly like you're talking about, I plan to do that again in the future um, when I get more feedback and more questions. It's just like a living document, you know. So mm. no, yeah, I think that's sense. the better approach. Yeah. Mm. Uh, so Jake, we've reached a segment of the podcast. I like to call a round of specifics. It's just a bunch of random questions. Some about jiu-jitsu, some not about jiu-jitsu. So do you want to do a round of specifics? <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, so then, which dinosaur do you think would be best suited for grappling? Wow. Um, <laughs> probably a uh, a pterodactyl. Because it can attack you from uh, from a lot of different angles. But man, you put that you put that pterodactyl in the fucking uh, the wing equivalent of a heel hook. It ain't doing shit to you, man. Where it's or you know throw a gi on it and pull spider guard with its fucking wings. And you know if it tries to flap up, it has you pulling spider guard on it and they can't flap its fucking wings it's gonna die bro <laughs> i don't i don't do spider guard i don't know no gee stuff you know you're bringing gee stuff into the dinosaur world now i'm just i'm just through. saying i could i could be the pterodactyl in the gi in the no gi in wrestling and judo i could fuck up a pterodactyl in the sambo match and mma dude i'm 100 convinced i could be the pterodactyl in any form of physical altercation <laughs> The other options in my mind were like, I don't know too many dinosaurs. So it was the T-Rex and the, uh, was it the Bronchosaurus with the long neck and short arms or a long neck seem like a liability. So um, that's why I went with the pterodactyl. Velociraptors are pretty compact. They're like, um, let's say they'd, they'd fuck up someone. The only thing, I don't know, I saw, a f- I photoshopped Lachlan Giles, he looked in a Velociraptor one time. That's their, probably their one, their one um, weak spot getting heel hooked. I'd say Lachlan Giles could heal like a Velociraptor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If anyone could heal like a Velociraptor, be Lachlan Giles. I'm sorry. <laughs> True that, yeah. He's mm. the man. Yeah, he is. Or speaking of which, because uh, I know you, you know, 
uh what's it you have a di you it's a you're like partnered with Submeta and you're like offering people a discount code for Submeta if you click their, if they click your link. Like how how are you finding Submeta lately? Are you, you know, finding it beneficial? Oh dude, if like as far as just like bang for your buck, I don't think there's a better platform. Like I think it's $25 a month and he has over a hundred courses on there and he is one of the best instructors in the world. And Again, like for the money, I don't think there's better value than than that. Mm. Like if you're just looking for like one thing, that's the thing. Mm. Now, see, I went to Lachlan Giles seminar around this time last year, and I still remember this one detail about catching the heel and stuff. I'm like, nice. Now, he's a cool dude. I like Lachlan Giles. Yeah, yeah, he's a he's a good guy for sure. Mm. Again, I just reached out to him on Instagram, and he was um, when I was making my Choi Bar video, and I just reached out to him and said. Um, like, Hey, I'm making a video on the Choi bar. I'm going to like mention your thing. Is there like a discount code maybe I can give? And then since then, um, we've been working together. So mm. yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty cool. He's, a, he's an awesome guy. And, and again, I think the product is, I mean, it speaks for itself. It's, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. <laughs> no, nah, that's pretty cool, man. Uh, so dude, uh, okay. This is a bit of a weird one. If you could create your own like wacky, ridiculous kind of silly rule set for jiu-jitsu, what would it be? Like, just like, just think of the silliest thing you can think of. And that's part of the rule set. <laughs> uh, dinosaurs and a gi. <laughs> How about if that you pull someone's, no, if you pull someone's shorts right off, you win. If you pull someone's shorts off, you win or something like that. <laughs> I see. I see. I see. Hmm. I would say if you give someone a wet willy, then uh, <laughs> Fuck off. then you win. Oh, dude. <laughs> okay, that's just mean, man. How about if you fish hook someone? If you have their back and just fish hook them, and be like, ah, oh, yeah, I win, bro. <laughs> well, if you fish hook them and then stick your finger in their ear, then that's that's a wet willy. Yeah. You, you fucking degenerate, wet <laughs> wet willy people. That is that is a new. Love. It's very degrading. Yeah, very <laughs> it really is, man. That's worse than getting smothered from Mount from like with the, exactly. the sweaty rash guard. A uh, motherfucker. Okay, I had this. Um, okay, I had this weird one. I had this weird rule set in mind one time because I I make memes. I have a, an account on Instagram, Human Jitsu. I make obviously Human Jitsu podcast. So I make memes. I have a podcast. Uh, I I met another dude who makes memes and I was like, dude, what if we didn't did a did a rule set where it's EBI overtime, but the person defending has an iPhone and they have to make a funnier meme before being strangled than the other person. So they rotate whoever makes a funnier meme or a more coherent meme that you can make of being fucking strangled by someone in EBI overtime <laughs> wins. So it doesn't matter that you strangle me in two seconds. What I typed on the fucking screen while you were choking me was funnier. So I'm the winner. I know that's a great rule set. <laughs> and is the uh, is the funniness gauged by audience um, like applause or or what? Uh, oh no, there's a panel of uh, seventeen judges. Nice, nice. <laughs> well done. I don't okay. like the applause uh, applause approach. Mm. Oh, because you know, like, uh, dude, this is a game of inches, and you know, uh, people, you know, they, <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a game. Of mil it's literally a game of like millimeters because you're going like this with your thumbs while someone's choking you know? <laughs> like there's a lot of minutia to this that the lay person wouldn't be able to comprehend for sure yeah you need expert <laughs> judges for that you fucking you do man <laughs> or oh jake this is a good one uh what would you say is your most embarrassing injury or like what would you say is the most embarrassing way you've either been injured or hurt yourself in training just like 
keeps you up at night sometimes and leaves you pondering why you do what you do. <laughs> um, I would say uh, the one that uh, like kind of just like <laughs> was kind of embarrassing was I was trying to do was when I was doing the like Gordon foot pummeling stuff, like the float passing. And I tried to pummel over this guy's foot and I ended up missing and just kicking the ground really hard. And uh, I like broke my, uh, my toe, like the toe next to my big toe, um, basically just kicking the ground myself. So I thought, I thought that was pretty embarrassing. I felt like an idiot doing that. Now, I've told a bunch of few stories on this podcast about how I've gotten injured doing stupid shit or doing this. Now, I have uh, I didn't get injured doing this. It's just a funny story. I was, I was, they were doing a seminar like November last year. My friend hadn't trained in a while, so I drilled with him during the seminar because, you know, like uh, I'm pretty good to train with. So people are coming back. I generally train with them to get them back up to speed because, you know, I can, you know, get them back in the know a bit quicker. And we were doing guillotines, right? We were doing fucking arm out guillotines and, you know, trying to get a sweep over. And I put your man in the guillotine and he fucking taps me in a place where you shouldn't tap someone. He fucking tapped me right in the balls and right in the middle of my balls and just whack like I'm guillotined someone. And then I'm like, oh, my fucking balls. And I was wearing really tight shorts. So my fucking balls were just like, ah, dude. <laughs> Exposed. And it was a fast <laughs> tap. Funny. It was a fast tap because the guillotine came on so quick, and I was just like, ah. <laughs> "That's a good one." Oh my god! Uh, and lastly, Jake, here's the last question: <clears throat> What do you have a, uh, in your arsenal of moves and techniques? A, a so-called air quotes fake move that you swear by that actually works, but when you do it to people, you're like, man, that's fake. That doesn't work. But fuck you for getting it on me. <laughs> That's a really good question. Um, hmm. My whole brand is pretty much built around finding the real moves. <laughs> so mm. I, I literally, I, hmm. Mm. What's yours? No, but the, Can you give me some time uh, to think about this? I can't. I don't yeah, 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 sure. So I used to have this thing where I would try to sweep someone from butterfly guard, right? So like, obviously, you know, you sweep them to the overhook side while throwing your that your overhook side where you're throwing your underhook you know just a typical butterfly mm -hmm. sweep so what i used to do was i'd sweep them to the wrong side and then hip switch to the right to the right side and they're like dude fucking it's bullshit fucking sweep me to the wrong side and then correcting and shit like i know that's a good reaction or that's it i'm trying to trying to think let's see there was another one a lot of the lapel like shit a good I, setup I, to me Hey, a lot of the, sorry, a lot of the lapel stuff I used to do in the gi was like fake move shit. They're like, man, fuck you. I do like worm guard and go to fucking saddle and stuff. And like, aha, I got you in a lapel X, lapex as it were. I'm like, a lot of the lapel shit I used to do in the gi could be classed as fake. Man, I should have, I, I have a, I'll have a big think about this as well. Because it's been a while since someone's called my moves fake. <laughs> I know, I, <laughs> I, I buggy say, choked uh... a guy once and he's like, fuck you. That's it. <laughs> yeah, I would say the one that's uh, starting to gain a little traction right now um, that I'm kind of messing with is that uh, that punch choke where, uh, like, you mm. see Craig doing it quite a bit. Um, it's kind of like the no-gi version of an Ezekiel, but, um, like, Brandon McCaffron, BMAC, he does it He does it really well. He's got a nice little uh, little section on it in his uh, his mount course. Um, gave him a little shout-out in the last, last YouTube video. But, um, yeah, it's kind of a... A dumb little submission, um, but it definitely forces people's hands to come up, and you can start getting underhooks if they don't respect it. So 
um, yeah, if they don't want it to work, then better hand fight. Speaking of Ezekiel jokes, man, one of my biggest, one of my funniest things when I was, when I, you know, I, this is one of my last gi matches. I, Ezekiel choked someone from inside their clothes guard, and I was just like, Fuck the gee, bro. Because <laughs> uh, people call it the, because, you know, the brand is Human Zijitsu. They call it the Human Zekiel. So I'm like, okay, it sticks. <laughs> nice. Right on. Bye. Right. Also, guys, I think we're going to knock it on the head there. So, Jake, thank you for your time, man. I really enjoyed talking to you there. Do you have any final wis- sagely wisdom to impart upon my tens of listeners? <laughs> My tens of listeners. Um, <laughs> fuck it, do an ankle pick. <laughs> uh, yeah. So guys, like I said, I'll have all, like you probably know Jake anyway, I'll have his Instagram, his YouTube, his course listed in the description. And guys, hopefully this will be out by the time he does the course, uh, his course drops, so you can take advantage of having another link to it. So you can jump on it and learn some really good fucking half guard passes, guys. So <clears throat> thanks for listening, guys. Hope you enjoyed. Adios.